Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the water and wastewater industry and careers you didn't know about, as well as the people that run them. And uh, I'm your host, Dave Kosminski, and we are live here at the At Cave, which is the annual technical conference and vendor expo for the Connecticut section. And with us, okay, is uh, one of the main men that make it happen over here, along with his wife, Romana, okay, Mr. Rob Longo, and uh, Rob is actually the superintendent of the Bristol Water Department. Hi, Rob. Dave, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming over. I think we're we're knocking out a few episodes over here. We've got uh, a whole pool of uh, uh, of uh, employees that we can kind of uh, hopefully let our young listeners uh, know about the careers that are available. So, tell us uh, what's your day job, man. <laughs> so uh, I work, I'm the superintendent of Bristol Water and Sewer Department in uh-huh. Bristol, Connecticut. So I've been there for about 15 years now. Yeah. Okay. So. Now, what, what was your first job in the water industry? Ooh, my first job, I worked for Valley Water. Actually, it was Plainville Water Company at the time when okay. I started there back in 96, I believe, 97, okay. somewhere around there. So. Okay. Who was running Plainville? So it was Don Vaughn was the one that hired okay. me. Don okay. just recently retired when the company sold to Eversource. Okay, all right, so. yeah, wow. So, uh, so what was your what was your job responsibility there? So I started out. It's kind of ironic how I got into the industry because um, I I went to college and I got a degree in environmental science and uh-huh. I came out at the tail end of the whole environmental science boom where uh, okay the job market just kind of went down and. Uh, Put out 200 resumes and could not get a job anywhere. Okay. And one day I got a phone call from my 80-year-old grandmother and said, I've got a job for you. And I said, sure, you do, Gramps. And sure enough, she got me an interview at Plainville Water, and I started in the road crew there. And the first week on the job, it was very interesting because I grew up in a construction company. Okay. And my father uh, sold off the business and went to work for Tilcon and was an independent contractor where he would haul to, for paving roads. Yeah. And uh, my first week on the job, he was paving New Britain. I think it was New Britain Ave in Plainville in front of Jay Timothy's. And I was down the street with a hammer busting open Watergate valves. Hey. And I came home that night and he said, that's what I paid for four years of college for. Ouch. <laughs> and I said, you got to start somewhere. So there you that's, go. that's where I started out. And I started, uh, you know, I was very fortunate with uh, Valley Water or Plainville Water at the time to be able to work my way up and actually do everything. Right. We changed meters. We did our own repairs. We did our own water treatment. So I learned everything in a very short time. Well, so. ditto. I mean, I did the same thing at Portland Water. You yep. know, when you're dealing with a small company, okay, you don't have the resources that a big company has that, you know, you, you got to know it all. You got to do it all. You got to know it all, and that's a good thing. It gives you a good experience, and, uh, you know, you're the one there when there's only two or three people to handle it. So so when you started there, obviously you, you had no – no certifications, no nothing. I had no certifications. I immediately went to uh, Gateway. And okay. I went through the operator training there. Okay. Um, so I was doing that two to three nights a week. There you go. Uh, and I was actually talking with Wes Winterbottom today about it. And back in my day, I hate to say it, not that I'm old, but we used to go to North Haven. Yep. And the professor at the time would, uh, it'd be 10 o'clock, and the janitor's shutting the lights off in the hallway telling us we got to go home. Yeah, I got we were home. all still there. So. I, I was right there with you. Yep. I, was, I started doing it well. Wes was on, uh, in fact, we just did Wes before Peter. Okay. Uh, and so forth. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode seven. We're going to rack them up here today. Oh, wow. So uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, I, the North Haven campus and then uh, obviously the uh, the Gateway campus, remember, it was down next to regional. Next to regional, yeah. I remember those days. Now, so. now uh, you know, Wes has got this now brand new campus on 
downtown <laughs> New Haven and so forth, and he's still having fun. So, he so is. that's good. So, uh, how did how did you embark on your your What was your first certification? In so I actually went uh, for both. I went for treatment and distribution okay. and uh, got a class one, I believe, in both, and then a class two. Treatment has never been my stronghold. Yep. Uh, distribution is what I do. And yep. uh, so I got my three. I kept my two in uh, treatment and went from there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what I where I am. Yeah, I mean, Portland is, is, is a smaller system and so forth, and uh, we buy most of our water from MVC. But, yep. uh, you know, we're now looking for uh, – uh, another water source to kind of become more self-sufficient as far as that goes. So, um, and so when did you move over to Bristol? So I actually went to Bristol in, I've been there 15 years now. So I believe it was uh, 2006. Uh-huh. I came in as an assistant superintendent for construction. Okay. Which was, was kind of new to me. I grew up in construction, but um, in Plainville, we never had our own backhoes, our dump trucks, et cetera. Okay. So it, um, I knew distribution and I knew pipes and yep. I knew how to put it in. But it was a learning curve there of, you know, the excavation aspects. So. Right. Now, now, how many, uh, you know, Plainville, how many customers were in Plainville? So in Plainville, I think we had 6,200 and Bristol is 18,000. Okay. Wow. So a big size. And, okay. Uh, Plainville had two well fields, so a class two facility. Yep. Um, while I was at Plainville, I actually uh, went and became the, I think I was vice president of the service division and was handling jobs all over New England. Okay. So I was working with other large municipalities all the way up to the Canadian border nice. at the time. So it got me a little bit of an understanding of the municipal setting. Right. Coming from the private end to go to municipality was a big change. Okay, sure. So um, it was kind of made it the transi- transition a little bit easier for me. Okay, so. nice. Now, how many employees do you have in Bristol? So for water, we have 36. Uh, that includes our office staff. And we just two years ago... Um, well, I'll, I'll say we merged our sewer division into water. Okay. So now we're up to about 69, I think, 68, somewhere around there. Okay. All right. Now, I just met one of your new hires, uh, uh, your office manager. Our new office manager, Dawn LaBella. She okay. came to us back in July. Okay. Um, and she actually is an uh, existing city employee. She worked in the town clerk's office. Okay. and. Uh, Never thought that we would bring somebody in from the city without any experience in water. And when, when I read a resume, I'm like, yeah, we've got to talk to this girl. Good, good. Well, uh, I'm going to put the arm on her late next and <laughs> get her over here. Because so, that's good. As you know, um, you know, you know, the water industry, is, as well as many other industries, uh, is, is suffering a, a, a rash of uh, retirements. And, you yes. know, we got to start filling this pipeline because when you and I walk out the door, uh, there's going to be a knowledge uh, void there. And I, I hate to say it, but that's kind of what really got me into the industry. I was fortunate enough, like I said, when I was in Plainville to uh, get involved in a lot of different organizations. I wasn't involved with the Connecticut section, but I was involved with um, NAWC and the, the private sector aspect. Mm-hmm. And I'd go into meetings and everybody had gray hair. Yeah. And I said, or no hey, hair. <laughs> hey, there's the yeah, or no hair. I'm like, there's an opportunity here, and yeah. uh, so I was a benefit of that. And now we're going to see the succession of that. Sure, so. sure. Well, I, you know, that's when I started this podcast, and you know, like I say, we're up to episode number seven now. But it's you know, there's there's a, a, a dire need. Okay, uh, our our first episode I had Lori Matthew on, and our uh, second episode was. Uh, Maureen Westbrook, who's the Connecticut, yep. president of Connecticut Water. And then Bill Sullivan came on to talk about, you know, operator certification and, you know, how many operators we've got in the states. And those, those statistics are staggering. You know, we, when you and I started, there was like over 800 operators in the state. Yeah. Now there's four. I know. You know, 
So that's, you know, and, and a lot of these operators are, are, are managing more than one system. It is. And, uh, you know, consolidation and things of that nature. And I was in the contract ops when I was at New England Service Company, and I was managing, you know, 20 different systems in Connecticut, small ones. Yeah. But you're seeing a lot of that go by the wayside. But yeah. When I came into Bristol, um, they had two certified operators. Oh. So they had 26 employees, a class four plant with only two certified operators. Ouch. We now at the height, I think we had 18. Okay. We've changed uh, job descriptions for the majority of our staff through the union negotiations. Okay. Brought it up to requirements and incentives. Yeah. Um, I've got a backhoe operator, actually a dump truck operator here today. And in most municipalities, a dump truck operator stays in that dump truck. He's got a class three distribution. Nice. And uh, he went and did it on his own and got an incentive to do it. And now I can trust him into filling in when our, our crew leader's not there. So. Sure, sure. Now, does Bristol offer, uh, you know, tuition reimbursement and so forth? We do, uh, upon a passing grade. Upon a pa- okay. All right. That's cool. That's cool. You know, now um, now the, he's on the water side? Or he's on the water he's side. He's on the water side. I see. Okay. So, uh, you know, obviously in a water family your, your wife is the executive director here who, who basically put this whole thing on today as long as you know, she's a champion i'll tell you and she works very very hard and uh you know making this all happen now, obviously uh, not being able to get together in almost two years you know yeah. this is uh, people are we're hungry to get together plus you know uh everybody needs to see years you know yeah. get those operator certifications you know as far as that goes so uh, anyway um so what do you what do you do for fun <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm fortunate. I have a wonderful wife, as we all know. Yeah. Everybody tells me that. Um, so we have two kids, uh, a senior in high school and a freshman. Do a lot of fishing, a lot of boating, um, get a lot of time with the family. Uh, a lot of lacrosse practices and plays. And Oh, yeah. Next weekend we'll be sitting through four performances at New Eaton High School. Okay. For both our kids in the play. So okay. We get a lot of that done, um, but Ramana and I also enjoy getting out and doing things. So, oh, you know, cool. we'll spend a lot of time together. So Yeah, yeah uh, that's super. Um, favorite sports teams? <laughs> Everybody's going to laugh at this one, but, uh, you know, I, um, I'll i tell a quick little story if I if you don't mind. Sure, I, not uh, at all. I was the chair for NAWC New England Chapter, which was National Association of Water Companies, which was the private sector. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of work up in Massachusetts and things of that nature, and uh it was my year to host the annual event. So okay. we had our annual conference, and they went and booked it at Foxborough. And I walked in, and everybody that knows me in the time, I walked in with a little brown paper bag, and I went up to the podium, and I sat there, and I looked at everybody, and I said, okay. I opened up the brown paper bag, and I took my Jets hard hat out and put it on the table. And ah. I said, we may be in Foxborough, but I have all your credit cards, and I will double bill anyone that contests with my hat being here. So I am a... <laughs> Diehard Jets fan, watching them lose every year, but diehard. J E T S. Yes. Uh, we had a uh, one of our an old town planner, okay, that uh, worked for the town of Port Indiana Roads, and both her and her husband were 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 diehard. They still are diehard Jets fan. In fact, they even bought when they demolished the stadium. They they bought two of the seats. And so <laughs> forth. And they sit and they watch the Jets games. And, you know, win or lose, who could draw out there? You know, it's, they're. Green jerseys are on for sure. It can be a miserable life at times, but it's uh, what we do. So. Yeah, well, you know, uh, so far. <laughs> uh, so, okay. The other question I started asking is, okay, what's your, what's your favorite food? If, if, if you had to, if you could only eat one food uh, a day, or, you know, what, what would that be? 
if I could eat one dish every day for the rest of my life, yeah. it would be shrimp fry Diablo at Salute in Hartford. It oh. is my absolute favorite dish. Um, many people don't know this, and I don't want to chime in on Ramana, but um, Ramana and I actually went to college together. That's where we met. But uh, she was the manager at Black Eyed Sally's in Hartford for oh. many years. Okay, I played there many years. Yep, and yeah. um, she became very good friends with the uh, the maitre d' at Hot Tomatoes, okay. who now is the owner of Salute Restaurant okay. in Hartford. And uh, Jimmy Consgrove is amazing, but his Shrimp Fry Diablo is to die for. Now, I think they just opened up another one on Route 3 in Rocky Hill. They did. We have not been there yet. Um, I, I hear it's killer. I heard it's killer, too. So if I, if I had a food to chip pick... I'm I'm a fisherman. Any sort of seafood I would love to have, but if you haven't tried it, go try it. There you there you go. So anyway, um, so you know, going back to memory, what what's your favorite memory in the water industry? Oh God, I mean we have so many. Um, it's there's always good, there's always bad. I mean we do a lot of great things in Bristol. We bring in all sixth grade students in the city of Bristol, and we give them a tour of our plant. I think my first experience being there and watching someone instruct, explain the water cycle and everything to a sixth grade student Mm -hmm. is uh, very appealing and very interesting. Mm -hmm. I remember us in Plainville, very short resources, having a major water main break right outside of our treatment plant. Okay. Uh, 16 inch 90 blew off back when we had pagers and my pager was ringing and ringing and ringing. Okay. And uh, I drove by the job site on my way home that night, and uh, who's one of my assistants now in Bristol, I worked with there, uh, Joe Pagarulli, pulled up to the car, said, get out, you got to help me, you got to help me. And uh, I said, I, I can't help you right now, Joe. And he said, you got it, there's only three of us. And Ramana put out her hand and showed the engagement ring that we had just gotten engaged that night. Uh-huh. And he's like, go home. Okay. And I said, so some of those things bring back the memories. I, you know, I remember the 36-hour main breaks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, um, yeah we had one the other night. It, it, uh, we started, I think, like at uh, 7.30 in the morning and finished at 11.30 at night. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I remember guys just dancing in the street because they're just so exhausted, and they just, you know, it just overcomes you. And the, the pride in the job, I think, is the biggest thing. People forget what we do, and people don't realize where your water comes from. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't, so. and uh, unfortunately, it's one of the – Best catch seabirds, and I, I keep telling you know I've been teaching the, the water and people course now for quite a few years, and and uh, you know especially when you start doing presentations on, on the water cycle in, 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 in the grammar school, those kids are like sponges. Yeah. Uh, okay, they they absorb that information, and it's it's you know just uh, heartwarming to see the look on their face when oh wow okay, and they you know well, didn't have any clue where their water come from okay no. or, or what goes into making you know clean water come out of the tap you know? exactly they just take it for granted and i get that i did the same until i got in the industry you yeah. turn it on you let the hose run you just play with it as a kid yeah yeah drink out of the hose drink out of the hose <laughs> yeah the warm hose that was in 90 degree weather for days yeah yeah uh, we, we were still here we survived we're still, yeah you know, it's a, you know, like my mother used to say you're you're, you're gonna eat a, a pound of dirt before you die or something yeah. like that whatever so, exactly yeah, so anyway so um so, any any plans, uh, uh, major expansions uh, 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 in Bristol going on? Or? So, we're still um, kind of grappling with the merger of the two divisions. There is a big cultural change with uh, taking over a division from Public Works. So, we're getting through that. Um, we've got some retirements coming up that we're gearing for. 
We are right now doing a, I think it's a $3.7 million SCADA upgrade. Okay. Replacing our entire SCADA through our system. Uh-huh. So um, we've got some things, uh, some lead and copper stuff like everybody's got, you yeah. know, coming up. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing astronomically major. Are you finding you're finding a, a, a lot of lead lines or just mostly lead goosenecks? We mostly have lead goosenecks. Yeah, I think um, that's what so we, uh, I've never seen a lead line in Bristol anywhere, and we actually have some unique pipe in Bristol, yep. which is concrete lined, uh, one inch pipe. Really? Yeah, I've I've never seen it until I went to Bristol, and I've worked all over New England. We are the only place that we cut it open, and it's galvanized pipe with a concrete lining in the inside, that is just as good as the ductile iron that's in the ground. So wow, it's different. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, you know. Uh, Pipe has changed obviously throughout the years, <laughs> and so I don't know how many, how much, uh, you know, back back in the in, in the fifties when transite came out, it was going to be the best thing since sliced bread, you know, and if not, uh, my employees will tell you even if they're older than me, I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. I am not up to change. I don't like change. I I was a double disc gate valve guy for years. Yep, they came out resilient wedge, but I also went through the the trials and tribulations of it. In Bristol, we don't have much. Um, Transite. We have right. a couple spots that are on private sides, but um, and we have no plastic. Oh, we okay. do not allow plastic pipe on the customer side either. But I grew up, you know, when I started in this industry, I worked with stovepipe. Okay. And if you don't know what stovepipe is, and I had to explain it to members of the DPUC, et cetera, it was put in in the 1800s, yeah. and it was a layer of tin yeah. that was riveted yeah. with a layer of concrete yeah. with another layer of tin riveted yeah. and then another layer of concrete. Well, stovepipe was great, and Peter could tell you too because they had it in Bridgeport when he was at Aquarion there, et cetera. But um, it doesn't crack. It explodes, ah. and it blows a hole. And the only way to fix it with putting a repair band on it is to energize it. So you cut back the layer of concrete. You cut back the layer of tin. You put a repair band on it. You don't tighten it up, and you energize the pipe and tighten it up so it doesn't leak. Yeah, scariest stuff we ever worked with. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anybody has transite, at times I'm like, you're a little bit fortunate. And I spent many years removing that, uh, many construction projects in Plainville, getting it out. And I know Unionville, Farmington, the whole area had it. And, oh, no uh, kidding. Wow, yeah. No, we, have, we have a fair amount of transite. You know, most, uh, you know, back in the day, we put in a 16-inch uh, transmission line. And, and that has relatively no problem at all. Yeah. It's the, the small four and six inch stuff that we have in a couple of streets that, you know, that stuff just explodes. I yeah. mean, you know, the, the, uh, the couplings just uh, fall apart. You, you, you fish out a gasket or something yeah. like that. It's, it's, it gets crazy. So. I'll, I'll never forget a time I was in Plainville and uh, Hammer, the Hammer always is problematic for a water system, no matter what it is. Oh, sure. And Hammer on stovepipe is even worse because there's no real structure to it. No. And um, I remember calling the radio. And they're like, there's water blowing 50 feet in the air in front of a town hall. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. I shut a hydrant too quick. And I was a mile and a half away. Wow. And But that stuff just couldn't take anything. And it would get a little rust on it. It would blow a hole. And it, it was, you know, what you'd see wow. out west. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, it gets to the point. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of change throughout the industry and throughout yeah. the years and technologies, both, in, you know, piping materials, uh, brass, uh, yep. you know. You know, obviously, we started out, you and I started out, you know, you, you were flaring copper tubing and so forth and yeah. hitting your hand. <clears throat> I remember when I was working in the service end of it, I was one of the first uh, contractors to put a Neptune radio in New England. Is that right? I remember it was in Egremont, Massachusetts, over by Lee. Mm-hmm. 
and we were one of the first ones to do it. And uh, now these things are everywhere. Sure, so. sure. Now, uh, if I ask, oh, what what uh, what meters are you using over in Bristol? So we are 100% Neptune okay. um, in Bristol, and which is good for us because we're uniform. Okay. So when I started there, we spent 10 years and upgraded our entire system to radio. Yeah. And did it over time. Okay. So it was about an eight-year project. We did it ourselves, and we're 100% radio. So you must have worked with Tom Beatus quite a bit. I, Tom and I, yes, worked very <laughs> close with Tom. And uh, it's ironic, Tom and I came from the same town. So is that right? Wow. Yeah, we both uh, grew up in Newington. So. Yeah, oh, that's good. He's a great golfer, too. Oh, yes. He could hit him long, hit him hard. Yeah. My God, unbelievable. So, anyway. All right. Uh, Rob Longo, thank you so much for stopping by. And, oh, thank uh, you. This is our episode number seven of the uh future of the water and wastewater industry and uh we're gonna get your office manager over here after lunch maybe and uh, uh see uh how, how she likes the water industry she's learning it so go easy on her but she's uh she's uh, diving in so that's a that's a beautiful thing so all right ladies and gentlemen that concludes our episode number seven with mr rob longo who is the superintendent of the bristol water and, and sewer too and right sewer. and sewer too so again rob thanks so much uh, and uh, probably go over and see if we can put the arm on Romana here, too. I, yeah, I think you could do it. All right, fantastic. And we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. <laughs>